All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Say Something Interesting, the podcast that comes at you from increasingly hotter in temperature, <laughs> Eastern Washington. She clarifies in temperature because <laughs> earlier she said hotter, and I said, there are a lot of beautiful faces walking through the door. <laughs> and we had to retake it. So we take this podcast and uh, use it kind of as a follow-up for the message that we give. We're in an awesome series called Outside the Lines, uh, week three, correct? And with, with me. Yeah, week three. As always. Yeah, this is Brent. Margo's with me. And we also have a special guest today, guys, uh, a friend of ours who's been an East Laker for uh, several years now. Uh, Michelle Nichols is on the mic today, wearing Got a it. headset, listen to this, and ready to rock and roll. Uh, Michelle and her family have been a part of East Lake since, uh, you said March of 2012? I think it's 2012, yeah. <clears throat> so a good six years almost, putting up with, with me and all the antics and, and everything there. And uh, she's got two boys, uh, Cameron God and Wesley. <laughs> yeah, she is a recent empty nester. I know, and it rocks. It's totally awesome. Yeah, I'll take it. Was anytime. it worth it? Was it, it was totally worth totally it. Totally worth it. I know, it's great. Are you? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, husband works out at the area doing something out there. He does. He's what, an engineer. Engineer. Okay, yeah. with uh, Energy Northwest. With a, with a subcontractor to CHPRC, so he does uh, hydrology and other types of environmental remediation. Oh my gosh! I know, right? That sounds impressive. It is he impressive. is impressive. He is impressive. I actually know what that is because in my <laughs> college class. Uh, the professor, I don't know if she was lazy or brilliant, but part of your grade was you had to present on a topic that we had to learn. So you had to teach the class in one of these subjects. So when you have a class of 20, that's 20 things that she doesn't have to teach. Oh, yeah. And she she had, I it. go for brilliant. And she yeah. had a she had an extra topic that like because she didn't estimate someone dropped the class or something. And so I did the extra credit and it was on phytoremediation. Look at that. Which is mining using cabbages. And awesome. stuff. Wow. They suck the minerals, like the gold, out of the earth, and then you dry out the cabbage leaves and you like scrape out the refined gold. And who knew? Innovative mining. Yeah. The yeah. More who knew? You know. In innovative or innovative? <laughs> like not evasive. Like oh. what is that? <laughs> I don't know. In base, I, don't I know. thought you were making up words on me. I am. Like phytoremediation is real, but that one might not be. <laughs> I was like, gold within cabbage? And then you introduce this brand new word? <laughs> I thought Margo, I think you're playing me it. at this point. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so your two boys, Wesley and Cameron. Cameron, I got a chance to uh, do the marriage ceremony for him and Myra back in October. So they're happily married and, and they are. doing great. Happy clams. And, uh, and then Wesley. Wesley was, uh, I was thinking about this as I, as I knew I'd, I'd called you last night and said, hey, would you come on this thing? Wesley did uh, Eagle Scouts, right? Did he become? Yeah. Did he make both, it to the top? Both my boys are Eagle Scouts, as is their That's dad. That's a huge so accomplishment. Your, it uh, is. Will was the actual teacher. He was, scoutmaster. Yeah, he was What's a scoutmaster. Okay, scout yeah, he was a yeah. scoutmaster for both of their their Eagles. So both of them did that, and they and, both yeah. got it. They both did. That's awesome. and it was a load of work. Yeah, I on bet. mom and dad and everyone else too. But right. <laughs> I Good remember thing. I did a uh, a churched version of Eagle Scouts or whatever. <laughs> it was called Royal Rangers. Royal Rangers. Royal Rangers, and they sounds had British almost. Yeah, Does sound they had uh, Buckaroos was one level. Pioneers was like elementary, and Trailblazers was like when you get into your teens. And then it was like it was cool to be a pioneer. And then um, Trailblazers got a little bit hard because it was like, hey, we're going to go camping in the wilderness uh -huh. and you're not going to have anything. You're yep. going to take a space blanket with you and Figure a knife it out. and <laughs> we'll good. pick you up on Thursday. Awesome. And I was like, mm, it doesn't sound Maybe as not. fun. <laughs> 
I feel like, play basketball. <laughs> I think every church has that version. Salvi Charmy had them too. Like yeah. Adventure, Adventure Core, I think was the boys. Girl Guards was the girls. And the little, the littlest ones that was like mixed boys and girls, they're called Moonbeams. Oh, Moonbeams. Oh, that's what is that? That sounds like a drug in East Pasco that's killing people. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> well, there's the Salvi Charmy in East Pasco. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, good stuff. Uh, well, thanks for being here. Um, yeah. she's always, Michelle is, has always been kind of a, uh, a, a very, a voice that I've listened to. She's occasionally offered words of encouragement, sometimes critique, sometimes, uh, always, always good stuff about, Hey, this was a great thing. I never had heard it from this perspective, or have you ever thought about this or have you ever watched this? And so an easy choice, she sent me an email after yesterday's message and I knew Margot was out of town. She was helping out with a family event. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to bring Margot in and expect her to have input on a message that she didn't hear quite yet. That'd be a little difficult to do. Um, so that's why it was like Michelle would be the shoe in for that. And she graciously accepted the opportunity. And this is your first podcast. This is my this is your, totally first podcast. Your first podcast. chance to like hear your recorded voice in a long, yes. you know how sometimes you when, remember as a kid, you'd record your voice and be like, oh. who is that? Who's yes. that? That's not On me. a little That's cassette sound. tape, you know? Yeah. yeah. Prepare yourself for about 30 <clears throat> minutes of that. And okay. There you go. So <laughs> <laughs> it'll be great. Uh, Margaret, how's your trip? First of all, before we kind of get going on that, you had a, a chance to go out, out with a family event. They own a winery, and it was a uh, it was like a, a dinner slash, like, yes. so describe it. Was, it. You, you told me about it. They but. call it their blending party. Yeah. Uh, so it was for their wine club members and then people that are like potential wine club members, a select list, and they cook the dinner for them, this big fancy dinner, and then um, they they can buy wine at discount from previous years, but they also... Um, let it's the first crack at tasting the new vintages mm-hmm. and alongside of that everyone gets pipettes and you can create your own blends and write down you know like ooh 20% cab 30% cab franc 2% merlot and then you go through you can write them all down you pick your favorite one and then at a later date they'll the winemakers will sit down and try all the different blends and the winning blend becomes their red blend for that year how do you sign up for that job Tasting all the different varieties and picking one. You that's let your me favorite. know, and I'll have you go over it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a day at work that's not terrible. It was. It was fun. It was a great event. Uh, but man, like cooking, cooking an exquisite dinner for you know around sixty people. It's a lot of work, and yeah. I totally applaud all the the working because they do it themselves. I mean, they make the wine, they make the food, they wash the dishes at the end of the night. So it was it was great. But Did you get a chance to call your dad on Father's Day. Uh, calling my dad is super expensive, so, <laughs> like, that, that, like, is, $18 you know that, a minute kind of thing. Yeah, but did you know that, uh, the number of collect calls, the busiest day for collect calls in, the, of the whole entire year is Father's Day. That really? makes great yeah, sense. Ab- yeah, absolutely. They make a ton of money on Father's Day, so you could have... Yeah, I mean, I love my dad, but, like, $18 a minute is high, so I, <laughs> I sent him a message, and I sent him a gift that still hasn't arrived, because... Military mail is really unreliable. So, <laughs> plus, uh, with the calendar system that he's living in, like he he loses track of American holidays. So, if I didn't tell him, he probably wouldn't. he doesn't even care. <laughs> he doesn't. Even... That's kind of convenient. Sorry, he just is. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so I treated Matt's dad to some brunch and snacks, and then we cooked him up steaks and all that stuff. So nice, nice. Well, yeah, we did uh, week three of our Outside the Line series, um, and it's been uh, a real uh, fun look at kind of here's what 
is commonly taught about a passage, but what about this perspective? A little bit di- diving deeper on it, but then also just looking at it. Jesus Jesus had this thing, this strategy of taking what was expected and then kind of turning it on its head. We've been trying to do the same thing last week with the uh, uh, Lady at the Well, and then this week uh, with a, a different passage, one where um, Jesus is in the temple and sees a widow giving some money. And typically it's a passage that's been used to kind of justify uh, or depending on your perspective, manipulate. Oh, I only had to give a penny at church yeah, on Sunday? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, but if, if all you have is a penny, then yes. For some people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give all that you have, right? Um, and we talked about the abuse of that in the church with some stuff going on. And, um, yeah, it's, it is... Uh, uh, it was a fun a fun one to prepare for because you, you do get to go in, and I showed a picture of that Jesse Duplantis um, thing wanting a jet. Michelle, you saw that. I don't, did you the get, hair. Uh, the uh, hair was awesome. Have, oh, yeah, his hair's great. Yeah. You, did you see any of that this week? Was that? I did not see any okay. of that this week. I wasn't sure like if, if I have really cynical friends who post this and no i had seen something about it recently but it was just a one-time shot so i hadn't given it too much thought. okay yeah i mean it's not it's not far off to to hear about a televangelist who wants a plane do you know what i mean um and yeah. uh so then but then this one this week was the the big thing about this one was this is going to be my fourth one so yeah. i'm going to have a bigger fleet than donald trump himself nice <laughs> you know what i mean nice in terms of uh, a go competition about Jesus. trump is one that i just it's not worth competing with in terms right. of <laughs> don't bother just of don't wealth. bother yeah so uh yeah that was an interesting and so i'll tell you here's the dilemma uh well the thing that i had going on did you, were you at first service or second service i was at first service okay i don't know if you could tell but it was hot in that room and i screwed up at the very beginning and i said last week we talked about um uh, Jesus and the Centurion. Right. And then halfway through it, I was recapturing re- re- uh, that moment. And in my mind, I'm thinking, that wasn't last week. But how do I right. How do I go back and... <laughs> you did a good job because the rest of us oh, sitting out there didn't I see it. I was stumbling. So and then I good. kept thinking, man, it's hot in here. Is it hot in here for anybody else? Because <laughs> I am sweating up here. It got it got really bad. So I was jumbling that first part really bad. Um, but uh, anyways, that was kind of a weird deal. And then got it, figured it out way better for second service. Um one of the passages, or one of the parts that I wanted to go to, or I thought I was, I'll, I'll tell you the evolution of the talk, and then you can kind of interject okay. with some thoughts on it. I thought I would go to the favoritism piece of, like, in general, um, Jesus would look at the, this woman giving two mites or two leptas or whatever, and then contrasting it with the people who were giving big things and how. Uh, the motivation for us to look at the heart and not the size of the gift and not show favoritism towards those who give generous or those who lit give in large amounts, even right. if it's not generous because they have so much to give from. Right. Yeah. Um, that was the, uh, that's the, the quote I think from the last time I talked to the quote that we found was get right a check. That's big to you. Like it may not be big to the person right. sitting next yeah. to you, write a check that's big to you. Yeah, and then I thought I thought I would do that and contrast that with James chapter two, which is this advice from James, who's pastor of the Jerusalem Church, to not show favoritism towards, you know, you make seats for the people who walk in with like gold chains on, and then when somebody who walks in is is broke, if you're not moving around and creating seats for them as well, then you know, shame on you and the church, and that's bad form of hospitality, and you're showing favoritism to it. Um, and so I was going to, that's the, what, the direction I was thinking about going the entire time. I changed it on like Friday afternoon as I'm, I'm sitting what, there going. So what possessed you? Cause you really took it in a new way. I mean, nice work. A brand new way. I, I think, um, I was struggling with, um, 
I, the, the phrase that I had written down was, why do we show preferential treatment towards the wealthy? Like, Jesus would say, come here, I want you to notice the not wealthy, because human nature is to notice the really nice car, the really nice clothes, the really nice watch, the really nice stuff. Like, we just give them the benefit of the doubt, and Jesus pointed it in a new direction, which is, I think, a good—that would have been a fine takeaway for that 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 story or whatever. Um, and uh, trying to balance it out of why— um, uh, being more open to the people who may not impress you with their wealth, right? Um, and so I, I've got this James 2 thing in my mind, and then I'm also thinking about, yeah, but then Paul's writing to Timothy about— standards in the in eldership of saying you know choose somebody who's been married to one woman choose somebody who has their house in order whose kids are this way so it's like he's all then he's saying i but when it comes to church leadership make be sure picky that about leaders yeah you be picky get, about they it got the stuff together Absolutely. right if they're in financial ruin they're not really in a place don't right. put church finances on their responsibility when their personal finances are a mess. And that makes total sense. Like Total sense. I still agree with that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I agree. Um, and so it would be then looking at it being like, you know, I can't allow you to be a steward of the church's finances if that's not the case. So then I'm, I'm like, I'm like, oh, maybe that's the back and forth battle on it. But then I, then I read that, that commentary piece about how I don't think that this was a moral critique or a more exemplar for this Jesus looking at this woman saying, I wish everybody would do this. I mean, it was more of a critique on the system's broken, guys, and I want you to see it. And that was just, for me, a way better direction to run with it. And I think truer to the actual context, when you look at what came before and what came after um, uh, that passage, we've got, why have we, how have we gotten it wrong for so long? Good question, because I, I stepped back into what I had always exclusively heard this used for. Yeah. Pledge season, oh, stewardship yeah. campaign, one hundred percent. New roof, guys. And when you and when you want to build a new building, wow, well, it comes out in spades. Yeah, yeah. You know, sacrificial giving, and okay, I get it, I get it. I that was a good question. In fact, we stood, we greeted for second service, so we went to first and heard the sermon, greeted for second, and we're standing out there you're trying rock stars. I know, trying to remember you're rock stars. <laughs> we're trying to remember to wave because we're talking. My husband and I are talking about what. It, whoa, that was new. The moment you started on. The idea of the system being broken, the things just started to click for me because so much of what Jesus taught was, y'all have the law and you're not using the law right. Not that the law itself is necessarily broken, but you guys aren't using it right. Let me show you how to use it. Let me lead with love. Let me lead with grace, whatever. You're, you're not doing it right. Uh, you know, that's the pit of vipers that he constantly, you know, took yeah. after. So. I don't know. I, I I was still trying to... I went back to my study Bible first thing when I got home, and sure enough, there it is. Jesus is acknowledging the woman for giving generously and sacrificial giving. I'm like, I don't... It took me a while to dig and find any other interpretation, including the one you gave. So how have we gotten it wrong? I cannot tell you. Yeah. Because we like to lean on that. Because we I think want we do. our congregation to give generously so that we, do. we can... And on the surface, well, and, the surface, that's what it looks like. And what she did, like, in her own... Like, Jesus isn't saying, you did wrong to the woman. Right. right, correct. Like, you should not have done this. Exactly. He's looking at his disciples going, look what this system has caused her to think and do. Mm-hmm. Yes, right? exactly. Oh, in the same way, um, when you, when we, we, it's hard to critique the disenfranchised who are, as a result of our system, making poor choices in their life and yeah. not say 
and not just address that as personal sin, and but and but to step back and look at it and be like, guys, this is systemic sin. Do they have choice in the matter? And, and in this matter, she chose right, and in other in other choices, they may, she may have chosen wrong or whatever. But him him saying, step back, look at the kingdom of heaven is nothing like this system. If this is what it produces, is a woman who's destitute, and this is all she has to live on, and she feels like this weird obligation to give it all, and. Um, not know. only that, but that system should be caring for her. Absolutely. And it right. was not caring for her. Right. And so I find it I, I find it fascinating. I actually heard a, a podcast from NPR recently on your brain, and it talked about our inability to make long-term, big-type good decisions when we're in scarcity of any sort, scarcity of food, scarcity of money, scarcity of whatever. And I, I kind of, I, I now get that. I see where where our inability to to process good decisions that we need to make to to make our situation better is maybe something that even our brain chemistry doesn't allow. And then I look at these verses and I think, okay, I can see where this could happen there as well as it can happen here. I mean, yeah. seriously. Yeah. And then well, you it's always, fascinating. You always hear stories too of people uh, like when televangelists first came out, oh my the most amount of their donations came from some of the poorest in the country. Yes. Like these these ghettos in New York where people are tuning in and thinking, God's going to change my life if I give the tiny, like all of the tiny bit that I have, which is really sad that they're, they think if I give more, then I'm going to be, you know, God's going to fix this system when really like we as humans should be <laughs> fixing this system. And that's the beautiful thing about the tithe. Like one of the, I've heard a, a sermon, I can't even remember who said it, but it really made tithing clear to me because he's like the beautiful thing about the tithe that, that is laid out in the Bible is 10%, no more, no less, so that everyone can contribute uh, to the kingdom. That it's not like $100 minimum and then the poor people that's asking so much of them and the rich that's asking so little. He's saying 10% evens the playing field Mm -hmm. so that no one's abused from that and everyone can contribute to the utmost from that. And like just laying it out that way that God wants everyone to be able to be a part of what he's trying to do. Like how freeing that is. Like a lot of people view tithing as a burden, but really the 10% is truly freeing. It's not giving 100% like the widow did. It's giving 10%. And you even saw that back as they were building the temple or building the tabernacle. Each gave as they were able or each gave as they felt led. Or you see that actually all through scripture. Mm-hmm. I, I get the idea that actually sacrificial giving is not necessarily unscriptural. It, it there, It's there. But this was just such a twist. You kept us talking. I'm still thinking on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so nice job. And in my in our in between meeting, Megan uh, challenged me because the application at the end of first service. Because I have to try and make it practical, right? I have to try and be like, okay, what are some handles for me for this week? Am I engaged in some sort of a system or a practice that is taking advantage of poor people? Is my line of work? Is what I'm doing? Um, is it in my industry, is it, does it only succeed because it takes advantage of people who don't know any better or this is just what they do, right? So that's a, that's a, that can be a difficult question, but it's, it's very economics based, right? It, it was very, if, if you don't, like she's a teacher, so she's like, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't see the money side of things. It's, that's on your real estate tax bill and <laughs> it goes through the state and they don't pay enough and blah, 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 blah. But anyways, um, so that's. That's different. And so she's like, I was trying to, you know, uh, focus it down a little bit more. And when you talk about broken systems, she's like, I was surprised that you didn't mention anything about the immigration stuff that's been taking place recently ah. in our society. And um, looking at that's it. That's a and great saying, one. 
And and so I did mention it, and, and but I told her in between service, I'm like, I I I'm feel stupid because I didn't make that connection myself in enough time to be able to do it justice. Mm-hmm. Um, towards like for me to rewrite an ending of mm-hmm. that and be really in depth on um, that would be would be difficult. But I, but I did bring it up, and I, and I said I, I I think that if if this was happening today, that Jesus would draw his disciples, us twelve, over or whatever, right? And he would point and look at these photos, look at these people. And look at the way, and and it's not a, it's so, I know this can be really, really political, right? I'm not trying to do that. It's not, I'm not saying choose this path or choose this path, but at least he would say, when you see this, look at this, the system is broken. Um, The kingdom of heaven is nothing like this. And in that moment, it's, it's a, he does, he didn't tell his disciples, our mission is to change this. Our mission is, you know, you know, phase one of Operation Temple Rebuild is we're going to do this. Phase two is blah, blah, blah. He, he basically says, you are on a mission to live out the kingdom on heaven as uh, in earth, <laughs> on earth as it is in heaven. That's what, that's the phrase. Um, if you do that and if you're committed to that, that all this stuff plays out. It's like this trickle down sort of theology that infiltrates all the different roles that you're at, and you get to be the church that kind of lives that out in the area of immigration, the area of economics, in the area of whatever industry that you're in. You know what I mean? Um, and so I wish I could have done that more in first service. I wish I could have developed it deeper into second, but I do think hopefully that it was open-ended enough for somebody like Megan to see it, to draw that conclusion to it and be like, okay, I can't place it, the economics critique in my current industry, in my current line of work, but I could see how this would work in a different area. But, so she made the connection, which is great. Yes. Um, but it's just another chance. That's why we do this podcast to be able to. But the thing is like, we all play, like even if your industry doesn't have a role to play, you're just being a consumer. You have a role to play. Cause if you look at it, um, just like shopping at Walmart, you hear these stories about these sweatshop workers that are sneaking notes into these purses. And this lady buys a purse at Walmart and gets this note in Chinese that she gets translated. And the person's like, I haven't been able to see my kids in two months because they're making us sleep on the sweatshop floor. And like, we're all contributing to some sort of economics. And like, the sad thing is a lot of people don't have the option to buy all American made products or fair trade. Uh, so it's kind of sad that when you look at it, a lot of the the poorest in America are supporting economic systems that take advantage of the poorest in the rest of the world because they don't they don't have the money to buy more uh, like humanitarian products or produce and things like it that. It is really funny that you mentioned the immigration thing because close friends and I have been debating this mostly on on IM or whatever, but it's that's actually where my my job ended up. I was working in immigration out at Hanford and so I saw the 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 easy side of it. I saw the PhDs and the master's folks coming in and I would work on visas and help them get work authorization. And I saw the, the clean side of that. Um, the, the desirable. The desirable side that, you know, the really, the neat and tidy side, you we know. We want you in this country. Yeah, we want you badly. You know, you got a skill we don't have, whatever. Right. Super right. easy, a super easy way to handle immigration. Right. But then we're faced with this border issue. And, and this one friend is is really quite distraught about the fact that it's happening, the fact that she feels completely powerless to change it. Um, and it, <laughs> your sermon came right back to it. I finally decided the other day that we were all trying to discover, quote, truth via the media that we're given. So we've been pulling it from both sides. Can you, can you construct truth by pulling from the National Review on the conservative side and the Washington Post on the liberal side? And can you, can you actually create it? Because they're all in, contra- in, in contradiction to each other. Totally. So 
this friend says, I want truth. I really want truth. I want to be able to decide if I'm being misled. And Dude, I, my answer was, I don't think battle. it's there. Yeah. I really don't. I don't think with the resources you got, you're going to find it. Yeah. So your next question is, what you going to do next? Right. It's a national issue. It's not happening in my backyard. Yeah. What's, what's your call? And I think as I look at Jesus talking to, these, to the disciples after the woman puts her coins in the box, same diff. He's, he's planting a seed. He's calling attention to the issue and raising awareness. I, I mean, I looked at her finally. I'm like, you know, at a minimum... You could be praying because that is never, ever wasted. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so churchy, yeah. but there you go. It is. That may be the only thing you can do right now. Write your congressperson. There's, uh, there are things you do. I think we get blinded by what's sitting in front of us, and we don't take advantage of letting our brains stop with digesting the mountains of stuff that's coming at us and stop and ask yourself, what what does this really mean? I mean, really, with that verse, the, the verses about the widow... Uh, I probably never would have taken it there. Mm-hmm. To, for you to stop and say, this is, this is, there's got to be something more in here. That's what you can do. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe there is nothing you can do physically. I, I'm not in a position to, to run down to the border and, and help people right now. I'm not. So what can I do? Yeah. But that's the big question. Yeah, man, that is, that is tough i mean that is how do you put the legs on something like this and, and move forward with what this? you can do is go down to world relief tri-cities yep. and say well i might not be able to help or or be part of the solution on Bingo. the border but i can be part of the solution uh, welcoming right immigrants and helping them uh get settled here in the tri-cities we tend to look for the big stuff we... no we... there's <laughs> lots and lots of little stuff but yeah. you know you're not going to solve the world's problems but you can take a piece of that and I don't know. That's what I thought Jesus did every single day. He could have wiped out a whole lot of injustice in the blink of an eye. He didn't. He taught right. us how to start being hands and feet, doing seek and seeing exactly. Well, yeah, also, he wants about. us to be part of the solution, which is kind of beautiful. Yes. That he wants us beautiful. to be a part of yeah. redeeming and healing the world. Absolutely. Yeah. I could fix this for you, but I want to watch you battle it out and wrestle with it. Yeah, that's true. It's very good. And as as far as the battle for truth, man, that is like. So that was my answer was if you find it, you know, sell it because I'm I don't think such it's there. I'm a cynic right now in every article I read, yes. ev- both sides of the issue. Yes. I'm like, yeah, but what about? Yeah, I yes. mean, all the Twitter, I think Twitter's just like freaking too way so politicized right now. <laughs> and what you leave out, what you choose to focus on says so much about you. you I know said, I'm kind of <laughs> tired of the whole lies of omission and lies of commission. Oh the omission God. is bothering me maybe more than the commission yeah. is because you're not pointing out things you need yeah. to. And I learned after working in immigration that of, you know, any issue is complicated, nuanced. Just take this one and jack it up. It's really complicated and nuanced. Really nuanced. I had a job to, to do certain yeah. things with a certain kind of visa, and I spent two years trying to sort out just what the heck that was yeah. and what the rules to that were. Right. Imagine what that's it's like. That's understanding English. That's understanding that's English. Foreign policy that's in 140 one, characters or less. <laughs> that's one that has happening. a whole structure around it. You know, right. The rest of this does not have structure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good yeah. stuff. But, Okay. Um, so we usually like to close out our episodes with a little bit of something that we found interesting recently, what, something we read, watched, or experienced. Uh, Marty, you want to go first? I feel like I've been sure. talking a lot. So why don't you go first? And then, uh, Michelle, you can follow us up if, if, you're, if you want to. It's an open yeah, I invitation, think about this one. but no obligation. Because okay. I know it, it's kind of putting you on the spot. So. so I decided to share about a micronation that I recently learned about. Micronations are pretty much people that say, uh, I'm going to take my one-acre backyard and claim this as the country of so-and-so. Uh, and there is a micronation that 
I was just so entertained by, and it's in Nevada. The Micronation is in the state of Nevada, and it's called the Republic of Malasia. And it's this guy that's like declared his backyard its own country since the 70s. So Malasia has been around for a while. It has its own flag, its own coat of arms. It has its own national anthem, which really sounds legit. Like it, when you listen to it, you're like, yeah, like this. <laughs> I could hear this on the How Olympics. How big is state. this backyard? What are we talking about? I think like it's like an half acre. An acre? I think it's an acre okay. about. Wow. But it has uh, its own constitution. It has its own uh, customs office, jail, <laughs> uh, corners. Office. It, like you can get a stamp on your passport. Like he has a stamp. And, that uh, is cool. It's only open to the public a couple times during the year, but the website is really like it looks bad, but it's really intricate. Like you can see his Founders Day speech that he does every year, the transcript of that. My favorite thing about it is that its currency Gosh. is the Valora, which is not based on, in his words, uh, changeable things like gold or silver. His currency is based on the price of cookie dough. <laughs> like when the price goes up, the dollar goes up <laughs> or the valor goes up. Oh my gosh. So wow. He, like he's essentially, he loves political science. And yeah. so he wanted to see like, what are all the things that constitute a country sure. uh, and make a country tick? And like, what do you need? So it's really fascinating. I totally. Does he have kids? Cause I imagine if you he did does that have with children. your kids, it would be like a government, like It'd civil government cool, class. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really, and like, it's funny, like there's banned items from the country. Like you're not allowed to bring onions into Malasia. <laughs> so every time he opens to the public, you see a bunch of tourists holding onions because they want to be thrown in the jail, quote unquote. It's like an open-ended box with bars. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I totally recommend looking up. He's a really, he's like always is dressed in a dictator coat, like a military coat with all these uh, nice. you know, medals. And he'll go into nearby Dayton, Nevada and tell people about how wonderful his country is and i mean it's really charming it's not like scary like oh gosh this guy really thinks something but to me it was really really fun to learn like all of the hard work that he put into something just because it shows like a passion for what makes a country tick so the the republic of malasia look it up there you go michelle how do you pronounce the state that las vegas is in Nevada. Nevada. That's how I do it. Is it Nevada? Nevada. Nevada. Yeah, exactly. Tomato, tour, tomato. That's tour. right. East Coast. A, it, yeah. paused me, it paused me for a second. I was like, where's Nevada? <laughs> well, I've just, I've stopped saying Spokane now. So. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, that's a huge upgrade. Thank you, Margo. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, okay. Mine is a show that is three episodes in. Uh, it's called Succession. It's on HBO. It's a, it's a new show that just came out. And uh, it was kind of getting some hype early on, and I haven't seen much hype uh, since, but I actually think it's a decent show. It's uh, about a family whose dad is like a media mogul, owns this like a media empire. Imagine Fox News on steroids or some sort of – it's not a conservative one, it's, it, but it's just a media thing. Anyways, um, he's getting old and wants to, uh, wants to begin the process of handing it over to a family member, um, but there's some infighting between the kids. So uh, it's basically King Lear. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and uh, then there's like a, a stepmom that's involved in this, and the is will, she evil? And like they're they're always evil, right? And, uh, well, <laughs> you can't tell. Like I, uh. it's only three episodes in, and she's shady, but she seems really nice. So you're like, I think I'm supposed to like you. No, I think I'm supposed to not like you, but I like you. So I don't know. I don't know. It's it's just uh, it's it's really creative and it's fun family dynamics, and they're like super wealthy. Uh, and they've got like one character who's like a, a nephew who brings in the humor department, and he can be he, his humor can be pretty funny. The the stuff in there, um, and uh, it's just uh, and then the health takes a turn for the dad, and so now he's incapacitated, and so they're trying to figure out what do we do while dad's 
out, you know, and each one kind of fights over who's going to take the lead on some things. And if you're watching the show, you're going to watch this and be like, that guy right there. I, I don't know any of the actors or actresses in this. I, I never recognized any of them. However, one of them had a slightly familiar face. And I remember thinking, who is that guy? I've seen him somewhere. I haven't seen him somewhere. I've seen his brother somewhere. It's Macaulay Culkin's <laughs> younger, I think it's younger brother. He's wow. been in a bunch of stuff too, though. Uh, probably. I just, I couldn't recall. He's in Father of the Bride. Uh, he's in a bunch of other movies. Really? Like, uh, what's the, he's in the one with Macaulay Culkin, the Christmas movie, Home Alone. He's in that? Really? Yeah. He's he's wow. a, he's the little brother that like, what's the bed that he doesn't want to share a bed with? Really? Yep. Who knew? I well, did not know. You know. <laughs> Say something interesting. Aww. That is very interesting. Thank you, Margo, for that. Very. Um, it, anyways, uh, it's the, uh, three episodes in, and uh, if you if you have HBO or want to watch, I'm sure. So typically with HBO stuff, it'll show the whole season, and then like the next year it goes on Netflix. So if you don't want to catch it now or, or Amazon or whatever, then catch it then because I think it's a very entertaining show. Michelle, you got anything for us? Yeah, I heard this week that there's going to be a ballot measure in California to split the, the state into three states. Did you hear that? I Not did. Just, that's like so what ambitious to me. Not just two. But three. Yeah. See, growing up in Oregon, you're always kind of looking down at California with this little, you know, puzzled look going. I've heard about really? it with Florida before, like really? north and south, just because they are very different. different. Kind of like east and western Oregon, just like different culture. I saw, and, and I think it was a parody of it, but three different zones. <laughs> and on the right was extremely expensive. There uh, you go. Yeah. In the middle, it was like out of your range. And then on the coast was Keep Dreaming, was the three zones. <laughs> so I'm going to be watching California with interest this fall to see what the heck that's all about. So, but yeah, that's kind that's of the a, extent of my interesting things during the week. I have a very, you know, limited see, life. What yeah. I would want to know is when is the last time a state has successfully split? Because I just feel oh, like good question. the more yeah. laws, the more a state has been running in the direction it has and the laws have been built around that and Congress people have been built around that, the harder it is to deviate. It's not... It's not as malleable as it used to be, so I'd be interested to know the last. You would time have state. to think it would be like the whole, uh, like West Virginia, Virginia, like yeah, one of those. That would be my thought too. East Coast, somewhere. North Carolina, South Carolina. One it was of like the Civil War, though. Like when yeah. honestly is the last time. Well, you don't have any West Coast states that are North and West. I mean, Dakota, I guess. That's like yeah, Central. But that's yeah, that's more Midwest. I don't know. Well, now I got to go Google it. I know. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Margot, for keeping Sorry. me busy this afternoon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the goal of this thing. Hey, thanks for listening to Say Something Interesting. Uh, you can uh, catch part four and the conclusion of Outside the Lines this Sunday as we finish off the series. Uh, we'll be receiving communion, which, by the way, I, I'd never even brought this up. Michelle is our communion I know. She's Check the it man out. behind she's the curtain. Timing. Yeah, she's the one who gets all the bread and the wine and the juice and everything yeah. ready to go. And then she goes and, and begs people to please come help. Yeah, so, recruits you know. the team. So, um, warned. So I'm, I'm making you work this weekend. That's Sorry right, about you that. are. Um, usually I send you a text or an email. Hey, we're doing communion this weekend. I'm just going to tell you right here on the podcast. I know, right? We're doing it this weekend. I'm ready. So be ready. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then this next Sunday, we are also doing our party in the park after our second service. Um, so over at Howard Amon Park, if you are in town and uh, around, or maybe if you listen to the podcast but would never come to church with us, but you're like, yeah, I'll go eat on eat food on the ground with you. Um, or if you have a spouse us. or a friend that yeah, like, yeah, hasn't, hasn't been able to make the jump to, to church. We'll be on the south end of the park near the uh, community center. Near the community center and the little wading pool pond thing in the kids area. So lots of fun stuff. We'll have the volleyball net out. Um, kids can play on the playground and uh, we'll just we'll just have a, a good old time. Hopefully you can come out and enjoy the uh, 
nice, supposed to be stinking hot, guys. Getting warm around wow. here. Let's do it. Let's enjoy it. Let's have a good time. Uh, that'll do it for us. You can find me on social media at Brent Johnson, uh, J-O-H-N-S-E-N. Margo, you are? On the Instagrams at Adventures in Caffeine. Connect with either of us and let us know what you have found interesting so that we can possibly include it in the show the next time. Have a great week, guys. See ya.